folks, do you feel like everything these days is go, go, go? It's nonstop from work to friends to family and a million pressing issues. Sometimes you just need to take a playoff and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. Hey, it's that time of year in Minnesota again to get out on the lake, go to the cabin, sit back, watch some baseball. Coors Light is the perfect refreshment to chill during these summer months. There's only one beer out there that's made to chill. The mountains on the bottles and cans turn blue when your beer is cold, and that way you know it's time to chill. Hit that reset button with some mountain cold refreshment. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Coors Light is the one you should choose when you need to unwind. When you want to hit the reset button, reach for the beer that is made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Hey everyone, Matthew Collar here. We'll get into the show in just a second, but first got to tell you about Abner Maris, a world champion boxer, Olympian, sports commentator, and most importantly, a dad to two little girls. Beloved by Abuelas and hardcore fans alike, Abner is a pro at entertaining the world both in and out of the ring. On Blue Wire's new podcast, On the Hook with Abner Maris, we'll hear from Abner, his family, fellow athletes, and other people who made him the boxer he is today. He will discuss the state of boxing, sports, music, culture, and his American dream. Listen to On the Hook with Abner Maris wherever you get your podcast. Episodes in English out on Tuesdays and episodes in Spanish are out on Wednesdays. All right, let's get to the show. Welcome to another episode of Purple Insider. Matthew Collar here, along with John Krasinski of The Athletic. I have convinced him to talk some football, put the basketball down, and look into the Vikings' future with me. What is up, John? What's up, Collar? Well, you know, this Atlanta game, no disrespect to the old Falcons, but... uh, you know, I just have not been getting as excited about this one as I was about the previous contest for the Minnesota Vikings. So I've been taking this week to kind of look a little backwards. Let's go back, look at the off season. Let's look at what happened here. Everybody kind of has their theories. But with you, I want to go into the year 2023. Yeah, I know. I, just, I don't know if anybody remembers the Conan bit, the year 2000. <laughs> I just, if they do, it was great and I loved it. But if you don't get it, then you don't understand what I was doing. Um, the year, the, the, the future. I want to look into the future of this team, John. And I, I want to start with the quarterback position because I get so many tweets about trading Kirk Cousins, getting rid of Kirk Cousins, drafting other quarterbacks. And I, I want to know how you think the rest of this year plays out and how that fits into what will happen in the long-term future of this franchise, like given the choices of could they potentially draft someone um, pretty high and eventually move on from Kirk Cousins, or is are, are we stuck in the Kirk Cousins era for a very long time because that's how his contract is set up. It's set up for another extension. So I'm curious kind of how you think this plays out. Well, I do think that watching this team the last few weeks – it, it seems like I've gone away from the thought that this is going to be a 3-13 and 13 team, you know, that this is going to be just an abject disaster from that point of view. And though that's the kind of year that seems to lend itself to major changes, right? Quarterback, coach, yeah, any of those things, even though Zimmer and Spielman just got their, their uh, extensions and Kirk Cousins did too. Um, it seems like they have been playing incrementally better week to week, which would lead me to believe that, you know, maybe it's a seven and nine team. Maybe it's a you know, six and 10, seven, nine, eight and eight, somewhere in there, because there are some winnable games coming up. They are playing a little bit better. So, you know, if you're a Vikings fan that wants a, a quarterback, maybe that's not a good situation. And maybe you'd rather see them, you know, just nosedive and, and do it. But, let's assume that it doesn't go just completely in the tank. Um, That will be the interesting thing to me is what do they do going into next season? If you come off, say eight and eight, 
Um, you know, they this is a team and, an, and a regime, a, a, an ownership group and, uh, and a front office that doesn't really have, seems like much of a stomach for teardown total and rebuild. And also one that goes into the quarterback pursuit with trepidation. Um, I don't know if like they're drafting 18 or 19, um, if they say, okay, we're going to take a quarterback here and that's going to be our guy going forward. Um, I would think that they should invest in someone and maybe, maybe you do try to invest in someone late first, early second round, whatever it is. And, and say, hey, we'll sit you for a year and let Kirk keep playing um, and, and, and really develop them. But um, I, I, I guess I would be surprised at this point if it's we're picking fifth overall and, we're, and they're taking Justin Fields or whoever it's going to be and, and just saying, okay, Kirk, you're done, and we're handing the keys over to our flashy new toy. I, I, I don't know that that's going to happen. You know, um, I agree with your seven and nine, maybe six and ten point that that does not put you in a situation to draft one of those guys, especially because what we're seeing already is a huge separation between the teams that are truly awful yeah. and pathetic jokes, like the New York Jets and New York Giants and the Washington Football Team. They don't even have a team name; they're so bad. They're benching and trying to trade their first round pick. Um, from just a couple of years ago. I mean, only two years ago, they're trying to trade that guy. I mean, they're in a terrible position, and uh, Pro Football Focus's odds have them at the top for the number one pick. Jacksonville is sneaking around here in the woods saying, don't forget about us. We're also awful. Um, so I think those teams are much worse than the Minnesota Vikings at this point, and I don't get the impression that uh, this team has given up or anything else like that, or they're trying to get their coach fired and so forth. Uh, I think Atlanta was probably more in that ballpark than the Minnesota Vikings are and that puts you in the spot to get a quarterback that turns out to be a bust which is the mid to late first round now Teddy worked out pretty well before the injury and now after the injury Lamar Jackson worked out pretty well the history of anywhere picking from 15 to 30 with first round quarterbacks not particularly great but the other thing that goes into that is does this team view Kirk Cousins the way that many fans do I think many fans look at Kirk Cousins and say, you know what? He's only a guy that can get you so far. It needs to be perfect uh, to have him. And then even then, every time he plays against a good team, there's that interception or that strip sack that ends up costing you the game. I, I, I don't know that the organization has these same feelings. I'm sure that there's some frustration there, but there's also a reason you gave him a contract extension beyond just getting the cap space. I think that they look at 2019 and say that roster was good. It could have been better he won a playoff game all you need is a better roster around him to get farther and well I think a lot of fans would say that thinking is flawed with his contract situation I get the impression that that's how they view Kirk Cousins as yes he's flawed and he does some things that confuse you like make certain public comments about a certain pandemic that would maybe have you as the front office go, could you not? Um, but, uh, I, you know, I think despite his flaws, they look at him as good enough to go to the Super Bowl with. Yeah, I, I think it really is a case of the devil, you know. Um, and they have shown, especially in the Rick Spielman era, that first of all, we know league-wide, it's really hard to find great quarterbacks, right? I mean, whether you're drafting, whether you're going into free agency, whether you're, you know, trying to kind of take someone who struggled elsewhere and see if you can uh, revitalize all of those things, it's hard to do that. But it seems like the Vikings have an especially hard time. Either they have really bad luck, like Teddy, where it seemed like he was at least on his way to being uh, the kind of quarterback, whether you believe he was going to be a top five quarterback or not, it seemed like they found a guy who was going to be steady and that they could roll with. And then he gets, you know, injured the way that he does. Um, but, you know, the the things that, that kind of play into this is that this is a, a regime that always wants to be in the mix and always wants to be thought of as a contender. And so if you are going to go ultra young quarterback, you think you're probably going to take your lumps early 
or if you're going out into free agency and looking to replace him, then you are rolling the dice um, and and possibly getting worse. And so I think that they look at Kirk Cousins as far from a perfect quarterback, that they could do a lot better um, theoretically, but in reality – they say, hey, we don't know. We could get a lot worse, too. This is still a guy that if we provide him the right protection and the right weapons, uh, that he can put up really good numbers. And um, and so I, I do believe internally that they understand that he is not uh, Patrick Mahomes, you know, Tom Brady, any of these guys who are Aaron Rodgers who are going to win the the games that you're not supposed to win. Um, but I think that they believe in general that he's not going to lose a ton of games for you either. If, you know, if they lose games, there's going to be probably protection issues. There's going to be defensive issues. There's going to be plenty of blame to spread around. Um, and so he's kind of like, you know, the safety blanket, although they're paying, you know, elite money for this guy where, that's the, that's the whole question with me with Kirk Cousins is, is there another guy out there or you know, is there like a, a healthy Alex Smith, a health, you know, a Case Keenum like guy who isn't going to light the world on fire, but also isn't going to cost you $30 million. Like that's, that's the thing that you, that they would probably, I think, may look at a little bit more just because it, it they do not seem to have the stomach to say we're going to take a big step back so we can develop quarterback X and then hopefully in the next two to three years after that we'll reap all the rewards from it. The money part is super interesting because you either get paid a ton on your second contract and you have big cap hits and your team has to work around it or you're a rookie quarterback and that's it. Those are your two options. You have no other options in the NFL with quarterbacks. It's kind of weird. I mean, there's no other sport, I think, that works this way. I mean, the NBA has a different system. But, I mean, when it comes to a baseball player, for example, you get paid by what your stats say you are. If you hit four jillion home runs and you're Mike Trout, then, like, you get $400 million. And if you hit just kind of a lot of home runs, you get less than that. I mean, it's the quarterback is the only position where it's like, do you meet this threshold of being a franchise quarterback, click yes, okay, $30 million a year. That's what you get right now. And that's going to continue, I'm sure, to go up. And his contract uh, really, you know, kind of suggests that. And also, don't forget, they are going to a 17-game season at some point here, which will adjust everything on that salary cap, assuming we ever get fans back at games. We'll cross our fingers for that. Um, but th- that's one interesting point. The other one is that right down the old road, one state over, the Green Bay Packers got real smart in the draft and they said you know what we don't need to trade up for Justin Jefferson no we don't need that what we need is our franchise quarterback of the future let's draft a guy from Utah State that is inaccurate and didn't even put up the best stats in his own conference and I think you look at that and you go that right there is a nightmare scenario for us because if we draft a quarterback and tell Kirk, hey, guess what, pal, you're not actually the guy for the future, and then he's no good, as I think Jordan Love might turn out to be, or at least there's decent odds, um, I don't know that Cousins that it matters to Cousins. This is a guy who dealt with the RG3 thing. But if you do that, that means you have to move on from Cousins at some point because you have drafted someone else in the first round. And it also hurts your chances to win within his contract as well. So if you say we're going to invest in the first round pick, then the guy doesn't like show that he's great. You wasted a chance. Like think about the Packers. If they had traded up and gotten Justin Jefferson right now, they'd be unbelievable. Instead, they're throwing the third string tight ends and Rodgers has been great, but I don't know if you're going to win the Super Bowl with that. So, you know, there's, there's a couple different trajectories that you can take, but the, the one that I think they believe they're on is this year it's going to be hard, and they're going to find out who can play. And then in 2021, it's right back full bore, and the expectations are back on, and everything hopefully in America is back to normal at that point, and they just go forward. That this year is kind of a mulligan in a way, or a developmental year in a lot of ways, and just weird with no fans, and I don't think that they're watching every Cousins interception against Seattle and going, I don't know, that linebacker was right there, let's check out the draft again. I just don't think they're thinking that way. 
Yeah, I think that's a good point. I mean, I think that reality has set in for them with all of the injuries and all of the changes defensively uh, that you know, they are going to be behind um, in, in this year, that this is, if you want to call it a gap year or whatever, you would, however you want to look at it. Um, but yet, like, that kind of gets back to, you know, what I was talking about with their overall mentality. I mean, this this is a group that does not want to – tear things down and start over like all the way over um, and, and be a team that, you know, drafts the quarterback up high, just hands it over to him and says, Hey, you know, yeah, you know, you're going to throw a bunch of interceptions. We're going to lose a bunch of games early, but then year two, year three, now we're ready to roll. And we think you're going to be leap, partly because they just always have taken pride in being competitive and being in the mix, but also partly because, what you said, they could choose the wrong guy. Um, they could grab, you know, somebody at 20 and and he turns out to not be the right guy. And what we have seen, almost one of the worst things that you can do is draft a quarter, is draft the wrong quarterback because you feel obligated to give that guy at least three years, Christian Ponder-like, and say, look, we have to invest in this because we, we have given this um, first-round draft pick for him and we have to give him every uh, every reason to succeed, every chance to succeed, because if he doesn't, we might all be looking for jobs. Um, and so that that part of it, I think, plays really into your psyche. I mean, I think they look at Kirk Cousins as the kind of player who is a good quarterback um, and that uh, reliable in a sense that, a, you know that he's always going to start. I mean, he's incredibly durable, knock on wood, but he's he's out there every single time. And B, if you are able to construct the right system around him, that he can be better than just good. Um, the question I think that we all ask is, given the amount of money that you're paying him, which you're right, is relatively market rate for veteran quarterbacks starting quarterbacks especially one who's played the, the game the way that that Kirk has from a financial standpoint um, with all that money allotted to him do you have enough resources to spend on the offensive line to spend you know in other areas to make sure to to bolster your defense so you don't have to win games 34 to 30 like do you have enough that way um, with what he is making to do it because it, for me like if I have a $35 million a year quarterback, I'm hoping that he covers up uh, some of the other weaknesses, that I'm, not, that, that I'm not building the offense to protect him, that I'm, I'm building the offense to say, okay, we got a bad left tackle. We'll just roll everything to the right, and he'll make things work, and he'll get rid of the ball quicker, and, and that, you know what, our receivers don't get, get much separation. Guess what? Our $35 million a year quarterback puts it right on the money, so he throws guys open. Like, that's kind of the thing that, that I think you want to see, but it's, again, really, really hard to find that. I agree, yeah. And, and philosophically, I mean, I've always leaned toward if you don't have one of the top ten, then you want the other thing, which is the rookie quarterback, and you got to see how it plays out. Problem is, I don't get fired. I don't ever right. get fired. Right? I just keep right. talking about the team. I'm my own boss now. I can't fire myself, so yeah. I can come up with as many amazing scenarios that work out great, and if they don't, I just keep talking about the team. That is not the case of people in charge. And what Kirk Cousins does for you is he keeps you your job, that he right. puts you in contention with even a halfway decent team. Even when Washington was horrible, they were 7-9 and nine with him, and uh, I don't think that Jay Gruden got fired after that. Um, so – you know, it's like he has the ability usually not to get you over the hump, but also not to be so bad that you're all going to get canned. But eventually the sort of rope runs out with that and you get to the end and, and that's where expectations come up. And that's where, I mean, it's not that long ago that there was a ton of pressure. We did a podcast on it, you and I, on Mike Zimmer at the end of the 2019 season. And I truly believe if they lose that game in New Orleans, we're talking about Kevin Stefanski as the coach right now. So if you go into 2021 with lots of pressure, you get to the end of that and you're 7-9, which, you know, Cousins does have that capability too, uh, based on injuries, based on how things play out. The schedule is clearly a big deal for how he plays. And, you know, then you could be talking about people getting fired anyway. Now, one thing I want to ask you, though, because you mentioned how much it costs. I saw a chart today, imagine, on the Internet, 
and it showed that the Vikings run on second and ten more yeah, than anyone that. else. Yes, more than anyone else except for the New York Jets, who are the worst coach football team in America presently. Um, so this relationship between Zimmer and Cousins has always been kind of odd to me. It's like the, it is the odd couple, but then they also have some personality traits that are kind of similar in a way. Um, but you have this coach who wants a conservative offense that looks for big plays down the field from time to time, but does not want to throw for 5,000 yards, but you have a very expensive quarterback. And sometimes I think lean into the Kirk, like lean into the variance that he'll bring you with the strip sacks and with the interceptions from time to time, but also the high end of Kirk. And it always baffled me. Like, Imagine if they leaned into the Kirk and they told Stefan Diggs, dude, we are leaning into the Kirk. Yes. Okay. We're mm-hmm. also going to draft Justin Jefferson anyway. And then we're going to throw it 50 times a game. And that's how we're winning football games. Like if you're not going to pay a quarterback that, and you want to run it this way, that's fine. But if you're going to pay him, and then kind of like not want to use them, but want to use your running back more often. That's where there's this sort of disconnect between the guy in charge of the organization, which is Zimmer, and what they've done at the quarterback position. Really, really what uh, the, the entire offensive skill positions, right? Because um, they have – you have a head coach that wants to play tight games and don't beat ourselves and let's win slugfests and then with, a, with, a, my, with my great defense. But then you have spent all of this money on your quarterback before Diggs left on Thielen and Diggs, who both make a really good amount of money. Kyle Rudolph is well-paid and well-compensated. Now Dalvin Cook is as well. Now, and that's where they got into, I think, some of the issues here is that, okay, with Dalvin, like, you're right. If you want to lean all the way into Kirk, then you say, Dalvin, thanks for everything. We're not going to pay you. We have Madison behind you. We're going to keep cycling in these backs, and we're going to let our quarterback cook and and, and run it, but run the run the show. But um, they're saying because of Mike Zimmer's kind of mentality and the way that he wants to do it, that's how important Dalvin Cook is. So now we got to pay him too because we have this overarching philosophy of you know ball control, smash mouth, do it. You need Dalvin Cook, and you probably need Madison. You need them both to do that. And and so that's where it's kind of hard to reconcile some of these things, some of the decisions financially for that, because spending all these mon- all this money, and I wrote it after the San Francisco 49ers loss uh, in the playoffs, is like you could tell in that locker room that Diggs was upset, and we'd seen it all all season long, but especially in that moment, you're like he's, and, and you look at the numbers, and you look at his number of targets. And you look at um, his opportunities and the production that you got from that. Really high production. Like, it was working when you threw him the ball. And and so, but they just didn't do it a lot because of this overarching, no, this is who we are. We're, we're, we're black and blue. We're going to do it this way. And Diggs was saying, get me out of here then. And it's as much about the offensive philosophy as it is about maybe questions about, well, will Kirk really cut it loose and give me chances more often than not. I think if you did tell Kirk that, yes, you are throwing it 50 times a game, and we need you to take those chances, he probably would do that a little bit more. Um, But he has been now in the system for three years where it's, hey, don't put our defense in bad positions. You know, Uh, be smart with it. Go through your progressions. And that's why you, you see him back there, and you can feel the wheels turning in his head, Read one, read two, read three, blah, 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 blah. And, and so that's the whole kind of conundrum here that, that you face with that because I think that really in the end now, where you go, you know, kind of going into next season off of this, is assuming it's six and ten, seven and nine, eight and eight, somewhere in there is, I think you have to at least explore whoever the Cam Newton is that is available to come in as even a backup uh, situation, you can still keep Kirk, but maybe, maybe you trade for Dwayne Haskins and you say, okay, let's see if Washington is so messed up that we get him here, let him sit behind Kirk for a couple of years or a year, and then just see if 
hey, boy, these guys really messed it up, and we can get this guy right and, and, and make him into a serviceable quarterback, a la what the Titans did with Tannehill. Um, you know, or or you look for the distressed asset, the Cam Newton, Jameis Winston type, mm-hmm. and say, okay, we're bringing in, like, a real option if Kirk doesn't kind of do what we need him to do. Because we've given him enough opportunities now over these three years that – I mean, Sean Mannion is just like the the uh, the caddy. Like you're not, yeah. you, 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 there's no threat at all to Kirk in that position. And you know, going to the Packers example, I mean, th- there's people that say it facetiously, but I mean, maybe Jordan loves the MVP because Aaron Rodgers really pissed off and motivated, yeah, and now right. he's playing out of you know right. playing unbelievably. Maybe Kirk going into next season just tests it out and say. Hey, there is someone behind you that if things don't go really well, we have another option. Maybe that motivates him. And if it doesn't, if it alienates him and you have to say goodbye, what are you really out in the end? Like, that's what you got to that's what you got to wonder and kind of work through that way as well. So, you know, Kirk is so different than someone like Aaron Rodgers. I'm not sure it does anything. It's very possible. Yeah, it's very possible he might turtle and and, and he might, you know, look at it as a a slap in the face in a bad way, you know, in in terms – not in terms of, oh, I'm going to show these guys. It's, well, why don't they believe in me, you know? And and I'm a guy who – I – I'm fine with Kirk Cousins. Like, I'm I'm, I'm generally agnostic with him where it's (laughs) – I don't think he's – I don't think he's the greatest thing ever. I don't think he's the worst quarterback ever. I don't think he's the reason for all of their struggles. Um, but and I've seen him make some big throws and big moments, even in Seattle. That mm-hmm. fourth quarter, he was great. Yeah, he was yep. he was really really good in that fourth quarter. But um, but he's also has not been good enough that it's like this is our guy, and we can't consider any other options. Like that's that's the way that's the way I think they should look at it. Again, like like you said, though, it's easy for me to say that, and you know, sitting here and knowing that my job isn't on the line if I, you know, if I go down another path. Want to remind you to go to SodaStick.com to get all of your original Minnesota sports-inspired goods. If you have not seen it yet, you've got to check it out. A couple of my favorite designs are the purple people eaters and the hooked on a feeling look for all of you fans of a particular Detroit Lakes native receiver. All their apparel screen printed here in Minnesota on super soft, super comfy shirts and hoodies. You'll love it. We're going to hook you up with free shipping on your next order. Use code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. That's SodaStick.com, S-O-T-A-S-T-I-C-K.com, original Minnesota sports-inspired goods, code PURPLEINSIDER for free shipping. What's interesting to me is the possibility that we get to the end of 2021 or even 2022 if he's here, and you're saying they never really kind of, well, leaned into the Kirk is what I'm going to go with. They never really gave Kirk Cousins the chance to be the full Kirk Cousins and just see it because it was always trying to be protected around a running game and protected around bootlegs and rollouts and all those things. And I get that that's where the numbers point to him with his game. And John Filippo, the last guy to lean into the Kirk, um, it cost his job because in part he wasn't running the ball, but also Kirk, you know, his weaknesses get exposed in the drop back passing game, that he is not the fastest processor in the world, that he does hang out of the ball too long, that he does take a lot of sacks. He does take strip sacks. I think he has the most turnovers or most fumbles, I think, uh, since 2015 of any other quarterback. Like this is a thing that definitely happens to him. Uh, But also you could get there and say, you decided to spend your money on Yannick Ngakwe on Anthony Harris, on Delvin Cook, uh, and not on the guard position, which we obsess over on the show, of course, but reasonably so. Not on a number three receiver, which I guess will just never happen again. Sorry, Jake Reed, there will never be another one of you. Like, it's amazing. I mean, you have, and I'm no disrespect to Chad Beebe. It's incredible he has a career. But, like, that's your number three guy. An undrafted player who wasn't even an outstanding receiver in college is your number three option on this offense. And before, it was Laquan Treadwell who couldn't run routes as good as you. I mean, it's just like, 
Will you ever give him everything he needs and stop pouring your money into paying Linval Joseph in the past, paying Xavier Rhodes in the past, keeping him around, extending Everson Griffin into his last year where he was, you know, good but not great in his last year as a Viking. And the the Anthony Harris move is kind of the ultimate. Like, you can replace that position on the free agent market for not that much money, but you're like, no, we have to have our great safety to go along with Harrison Smith, and we can't get another receiver we have to get Tajay Sharp like great that's gonna make a difference we we can't get a guard that's out there we've gotta just try to patchwork that because it'll be fine we patchworked it in 2017 like that's the thing that is the disconnect between what Zimmer wants for building his team and what I think might be the right way around a Kirk Cousins because I see Cousins and it's interesting they're playing the Falcons he's kind of like a Matt Ryan You look at Matt Ryan's career, lots of ups and downs, but never a terrible season, but never a truly great season until they went all in with Kyle Shanahan's offense, a bleep ton of weapons on that 2016 team, a great offensive line, and they didn't have a great defense and still went to the Super Bowl. So I think like when you look at recent Super Bowl winners, they all have top five offenses and to not put more into that. Um, that's where you wonder if you'll get to the end of the line with Kirk and say, yeah, he wasn't good enough, but did they ever really give him everything he needed? Yeah, no, it, it is. But And that gets back to, okay, if if that is the way that you're looking at the trends in, in success in the NFL, um, that is in direct contrast to the head coach that you hired at the first place and that you extended. Um and so when you extend him, and look, Mike Zimmer's won a bunch of games. Like, they, he, he's right in terms of his winning percentage. And, like, the team has generally been very competitive uh, year over year with Mike Zimmer. <clears throat> but um, but when you, when you, like, when you, hi- when the Timberwolves hire Tom Thibodeau, you have to say, oh, you want, you want veteran players? You, you don't want the young guys? You want the veterans to play defense? And, and, and our hard nose and we'll fight you in an alley. Well, we hired this guy, Tom Thibodeau. We have to give him the the things that he wants or else you can say, or else Tibbs can say, well, I didn't get what I wanted. And so, um, so that's why it didn't work out. Same with Zimmer. If you hire Zimmer, you, you're kind of beholden to the way that he wants to do things. Not only Anthony Ayers, but Anthony Barr as well. Yes, I mean, great example. you know, replaceable theoretically replaceable guys that way. Um, but because Zimmer believes in them and because this team is the identity of this team is, is on the defensive side of the ball, that's where you pour your, your, your pouring resources that, you know, the NFL economy is a shell game. It's, you know, it's plug in your fingers in each dike until and and only doing the ones that are going to create the most damage for you and so the Anthony Barr one was another case where you could have let him go and find a linebacker in the second or third round to come in and fill that spot or on the free agent market for a fraction of what he makes Um, same with Dalvin Cook you could have made that move and said we're going to pay you this, and if you don't like it, we're going to go because guess what? Running back is the most replaceable position in the NFL and has been proven time and again. And so we're going to do that with Madison, and then we'll guess what? We'll draft another running back in the third round once once Dalvin leaves, and we'll just keep cycling them through. But Zimmer's identity is running the ball and playing defense. And so you have that coupled with – a very expensive quarterback and very expensive receivers. And sooner or later, those things just keep butting against each other. And so I think eventually down the road, not this year, but down the road, they are going to have to make the final determination. What are we and what do we want to be as an organization? And if they want to continue on the defense running the game path, you can do that, but then you got to say goodbye to Kirk Cousins. And you got to say, you know, goodbye to a couple of the other, you may have to say goodbye to Adam Thielen eventually and bring, you know, okay, now you have Jefferson. We're going to bring in some other guys that way. And we're going to go a little bit more, um, 
you know, uh, affordable on the offense. And meanwhile, we're going to get our big run stuff in defensive tackle that Zim wants. We're going to get our cover corners that Zim wants. We're going to do all that. We're just going to go all in that way. Or if you say, you know what, we've tried it this way and it's been successful. It's been good, but we haven't taken that next step. We need to go the other way and be that offense that wins games, Kansas City, you know, that type of of an approach. Then it's like, Maybe Zimmer's not our guy, and maybe we should maybe we should go and find a Kevin Stefanski type of a of a coach to come in here and and reinvent things that way. And then you say goodbye to the Anthony Bars, goodbye to the Anthony Harris's, goodbye to yeah those Everson Griffin types, and find a way to just kind of get by defensively while really beefing up your offense. You can't. It's really hard to do both, and 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 kind of serve two masters that way. There's only one way to do both, and that's having a rookie quarterback contract. And even Mm -hmm. if you look at uh, Cleveland right now, who's playing well under Kevin Stefanski, they have great players on offense and defense who cost a lot of money. That's because Baker Mayfield doesn't cost a lot of money. And if you wanted to go that approach and say, you know what, we're beefing up this defense again, we're going to sign guys, we're going to trade for Yannick Ngakwe, and we're going to overpay him, we're going to overpay Barr and all these people, that's okay if you have a rookie quarterback contract or if it's a guy off the trash heap um, like a Marcus Mariota, say. If they had decided, you know, we're not going to extend Cousins, we're going to stack up this defense, we're going to get Mariota on a cheap deal and then turn it over to him after this year and not extend Cousins, I think people would understand that, okay, that's how you're going to win. You're going to kind of go the Case Keenum route and try to beef up the roster and then draft a quarterback and, and go that way. But what you did was you went to the fork in the road and you tried to go straight. Like you, you, you could either go, we're going to go all in with lean into the Kirk. We're going to lean into the Zimmer. And they just said, no, we're going to do both. And what you end up with that is if something doesn't click for you, then you it doesn't work out. You end up one and four. You end up with a team that, looks like it could be good in 2021, but it might not be. It might be kind of similar to 2019 where you're good, not great, and the determining factor ends up being pretty much how easy is your schedule that year. And and that was the other thing I wanted to ask you is just, you know, as this goes forward with these two extensions being signed, which I think if you could go back in time, you would probably just decide on one. You're either keeping Zimmer or you're keeping Cousins, but you can't do both if you're the owners of the team, unless they still think that this is going great, which I don't know, maybe they do. Um, But look forward to me uh, after 2021, because I think that's where it's going to get real interesting. Like if they miss on a couple of these draft picks that they're really banking on. If Cam Dantzler is garbage and cannot play football, and that's a guy you leaned into, if Mike Hughes just isn't good, if Jeff Gladney isn't good, um, yeah, then I think your defense still ends up not being elite in 2021. And then if this defense is an elite, it's hard for Kirk to overcome it. And, you know, even if you draft an offensive lineman, like that doesn't immediately snap your fingers and solve all of your offensive line issues for the rest of time. So I look at this as if we're going to go all the way down the line, maybe I'll save this and the Purple Insider podcast will play it back in 2023. Here's here's how I think it's going to play out. You tell me if I'm crazy. I think that they go through 2021. They have an average season, eight and eight, nine and seven. Then they move on from Zimmer and they bring somebody else in new and they draft a quarterback and then they go forward after that with that quarterback. And whether that quarterback is good or not will be based on God and luck. And you'll see what happens after that. But there's a a decent chance that even your roster is peaking as you're drafting a quarterback and those two things aren't matching up at the same time. So that's kind of how I think that it plays out in the future. You tell me if I'm crazy. No, I, I don't think that's crazy at all. I mean, I, I you, so you look at how the Zimmer contract negotiations played out, and I think there was more to it than pandemic. We gotta we gotta wait and things out. There was clearly some real deep thought on what they were doing. Is this the right way to go? All of that stuff. Now the Wilfs have proven to be very pragmatic. Um, they're very patient. They want to be the Roonies uh, in, in, in that type. They want that kind of stability and continuity. That's what they value. They ultimately went with Zimmer. And, you know, look, he's won a lot of games. I, I had no problem really with, with making that extension um, at the time. But at sooner or later, 
there you get to, as you said, that fork in the road. You could argue they may have gotten to it this last summer and they just didn't want to deal with it. But in another two years now, um, I can't see how it's you're not there again. And so you can kind of look at it and say both of these extensions, the Cousins and the Zimmer one, Zimmer didn't get a five-year extension. Like these are, I think, built to say, okay, we want to stick with you. We believe in continuity. We we want to show stability, and we we think that's the best way to have a chance to win. But they're they're short enough co- extensions where it's like, um, okay, we gave you that extra chance. This is like, okay, show us, prove it. Let's see what what happens. And if it, if you're still stuck in that that purgatory, I think it's a lot easier to make. A, a more significant move on one side or the other of it after all of that sample size, you know, uh, that way the Wilfs can still, can still say we did everything we could to be the patient, not the knee jerk uh, ownership, not the Cleveland Browns that are just firing people after every uh, year and drafting, you know, new quarterbacks and doing all these things. We, we gave these guys all of the opportunities that we could and now we have to choose either one or say goodbye to both of them and start all over. And the one thing that I've been thinking about while we have this conversation, and I know a lot of it kind of, I think the whole tone of this has felt like we're, we're both kind of Reagan on cousins and he's not the guy. He's not like, I'm, I'm again, like I'm typically, I don't, I don't think he is the root of all of their issues. Like I, I think that there are plenty of things that he does well that, as you said, if they leaned into him and they, they really kind of really invested in that side of the ball and made that, I think you could win more with him. Um, But with, at this point in his career and at this point in his um, tenure with the Vikings specifically, I don't think that there are going to be many people outside of the organization who, if you decided to move on from cousins, are going to say, what are you doing? Right. Like, no, yep. not that. Yep. And so when you factor in the whole job security thing, um, that always does factor in, rightfully so, with GMs and coaches in these decisions with their quarterbacks, um, I, I just don't know that there's there's going to be a lot of tears shed. Whether that's right or wrong, the public approval rating for, for Kirk Cousins is relatively low. And so I don't think that you're going to be swimming upstream by saying, you know what, he's shown us he's been a good quarterback, but not one that's going to get us over the hump. We're going to go find someone else. I think generally speaking, most people would say, yeah, I understand that. Or hell yes, you know, get rid of him. Let's go. And again, that's probably unfair, but, and, and they may prove to be wrong down this, down the, the line, but um, he just hasn't, they haven't done enough collectively as a group to establish that this has got to be your guy. And, and I think Zimmer might be a little bit in the, in the same boat, although I think he has a higher public approval rate. I just think fans dig the, the no bullshit kind of thing. Um, the, the, the approach and all that. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think that, you know, a long winded answer on your question is yeah, 20 going into 2023, you're at that fork in the road again, especially if you've gone, you know, you go seven and nine this year, eight and eight next year. You're just kind of treading water. Um, and I, I think that eventually you have to say, we've given these guys ample amount of time. Mm-hmm. Do we have to take that next step and try and try and become more competitive? Or do you say, yeah, we believe in Zimmer's philosophy wholeheartedly. We're going all in with him. Or we believe in Kirk and his talents. All We're going all in with him, one or the other. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving, and that makes hiring even more important than ever, and Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people fast. 
Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time, and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier, like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the important hire that you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it and fast. Try Indeed with free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer available anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through December 31st. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, division championships, futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today, take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And when that fork in the road shows up is unclear to me because, I mean, I said 2023, but it could be at the end of this year. I mean, the way this plays out the rest of the way, if after these last couple games, everyone's saying, well, look, the offense actually great. But what if it's not? I mean, like, what if these last couple games are just okay and you lose to Atlanta and you lose to Carolina? Teddy lights you up and you lose to Carolina and Kirk no-shows or something. Like, you, it's reasonable to suggest that you could get to the end of this thing and have enough of both guys. Um, I don't think that's likely, but I think it's possible. I look at that as much more as a um, coming to a head in 2021 of what you're going to do with the head coach and the quarterback. But um, I think when it comes to Kirk, if I were to kind of like compact my full Kirk Cousins take, which is, you know, 10 podcasts long into sort of a couple sentences, it's um, I think he is good enough to win with. Uh, but I also think he's fundamentally flawed in ways that really make that hard. And I think that those flaws have shown up over the last couple of years. And that's what everyone's tired of. Like, I mean, the, when you mentioned the approval rating, I think that's what, that's what drags on fans is the interception to KJ Wright. KJ Wright made a great play. You know, it's not the worst throw I've ever seen in the entire world. If it's two inches higher, it goes over his hands right into Jefferson. But that's the moment that he does it every time. And, I, you know, I think that also just his personality is not really connected with Minnesota. Um, even his first off season where he tweets out how he's in Florida enjoying the sun. It's just like those he's never really sort of captured hearts and minds the way that uh, Teddy has. And part of that is not coming through in big moments for the most part and having fundamental flaws to his game that cost that. So if, like you said, if they moved on, I think a lot of other people, evaluators around the league would be like, yeah, yeah, I could see that, that price for that guy with those flaws. Yeah, I get it. But you've really locked yourself into this better work going forward. So um, that makes for lots of future podcasts. Can I ask you a Falcons question for the end, before we wrap up here? Why not? Okay. All right. So before Matt Ryan and Michael Vick, the Atlanta Falcons had a great bunch of quarterbacks. Mm. I mean, as you, you and I, Chris Miller, we were young tykes then. Yes, we were young. And I want you to give me your top two non-Michael Vick or Matt Ryan Atlanta Falcons quarterbacks? Well, yeah, okay. Uh, let's see. Chris Miller for sure. Uh, I mean, he took him to a Super Bowl, right? So Did he? Chris uh, Miller? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He was the quarterback of uh, – Oh, you're thinking of, of Chris Chandler, right? Chris Chandler. Chris Is Chandler. that right? Yes. Yeah, you're Chris thinking of Chandler. Chris Chandler, yes. Yes, Chris Chandler. Yeah, the the random 14-2 right. season from Chris Chandler. That's right, yes. Chris so Miller that's... was good, though. Chris Miller was good. Um, so let's see. I gotta. I guess you have to say Chandler because he did go to the, to the Super Bowl. God, who was the other one? There was one other one. Let me give you a funny Chris Chandler fact. 
after he went to the Super Bowl that year. So he started 14 of their games and went 13 and one. Averaged 9.6 yards per attempt, which for 1998 is crazy. After that, his record as a starter was 19 and 35. 19 and 35 wow. after he took him to the Super Bowl. I mean that he's got like one of the the funnest journeyman quarterback like starter. He's like the Fitzpatrick of the 90s. Indianapolis, Tampa Bay, Phoenix Cardinals, Rams, Houston, and then at the end, Chicago and St. Louis. I mean, second second stint with the Rams organization. Chris Chandler's amazing. Amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And, yeah, and, like, I'm trying to think, like, I might have to do the two, maybe the Chris Miller and Chris Chandler. I mean, I'm thinking of, you know, you got, Bobby you got, Hebert. You got your Bobby Hebert and Jeff George, yeah. of course. Jeff George, yeah, and I – like, I, I am such a Jeff George stan just because, I, I mean, he, he, the watching that dude throw, just throw. Like, there there's no one else that could just take my breath away by just watching him fling a football like Jeff George. I mean, he was so much fun to watch. Now, you never knew how it was going to end. Everyone would hate him after, like, three games yeah. and, and in the locker room and all that stuff, but just the physical act of throwing a football, like Jeff George was absolutely uh, right up there for me. Um, Jeff George, but, Randy uh, Moss highlights are the best. Oh my God. Just the Unbelievable. Best. The, Unbelievable. The, the camera guy can't make sense of Jeff George's arm strength. It's like the ball flies no. past where you can see. And then the camera guy has to catch up. I've never seen anyone like that. And one of the best things about, like, Jeff George was also for literally probably 10 years, this is both toward the end of his playing career and even well after it, any quarterback who was struggling in the league, would the beat writers of said team would get calls either from George or from his agent saying, hey. He's ready. Jeff's ready. You know. Yes. Best shape of his life. Yeah. Arm's still great. He's ready to come in right away. He loves what Coach X is doing yes, from a yes. from a schematic standpoint. Like it was unbelievable. And like like I remember the Vikings a couple of times, and this was when George was like like forty two years old. Like literally, like you know, hey, uh, and being quoted and yeah, I'm ready. Uh, it, you know, if they ever called, I, I'd be happy to take have you come in and and and, and let it fly. Like so. So I love the bravado. I loved all of that. Um, you know, who's the, I mean, like Steve Barkowski was like way, before way back that time. Yeah. Yep. So just a, a couple more things on George. Cause he is like, um, the, I think, so I'm, yeah, I, I would have to say the two Chris's Chandler's and Miller's. He's the only like crossover. I think George and um, that's it. Like for, for the Vikings and Falcons for quarterback yes. situations. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe there's a backup somewhere who played for both teams. But what I love about Jeff George is that in similar fashion to Chris Chandler, he was literally only good like once or twice in his entire career, but it was crazy good. Like with the Vikings and with the yes. one year in Atlanta where uh, that's, uh, the final edition of Super Tech Mobile has him on Atlanta, and he's got, like, all these crazy mm-hmm. weapons, and I think June Jones is the coach, and they're just throwing it everywhere. Mm-hmm. Run and shoot, yeah. Love Jeff George. So John Krasinski, the athletic, slipped in some basketball coverage in there for you. Um, and I always appreciate your time, man, and uh, glad to catch up. I hope we can do it again soon. Anytime, caller. Thanks for having me, and uh, we'll see you on Sunday.